her mother's anger and resentment towards my birth father really clouded things. And, um, and she kind of identified me with him too much. And there was a lot of talk initially, but as far as like, you know, like having a relationship, you know, being in touch and everything, and I'd written a number of times, but didn't really get much of a response from her. So I was kind of bummed about that. Who am I? 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 This is Who Am I Really? A podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. I'm Damon Davis, and on today's show is Andrew. He called me from Murphy, Oregon, near Grants Pass, but his is an East Coast story. Andrew grew up kind of feeling like an odd man out in his family, not fitting his parents' ideas of who he would be. In an amazing coincidence, his pen pal relationship with an elementary school class was key to unlocking his adoption reunion search. The open road took him to meet his birth father, who introduced him to his maternal grandmother. She welcomed Andrew at first, but ultimately, she was unable to separate him from the memories of what his birth father did to her daughter years before. This is Andrew's journey. Andrew grew up in a small town in Pennsylvania. He doesn't remember any moment when the news was broken to him that he was adopted. He's always had that knowledge. He was told a typical narrative about his birth mother being young, wanting a better life for him, and therefore choosing to relinquish him into adoption. He said he doesn't remember any negativity related to adoption. Um, well, growing up, I grew up in a small town in uh, Pennsylvania, um, kind of the middle of nowhere. Um, and I don't ever remember not knowing I was adopted. Um, my parents never kept it a secret, but I don't remember, like, uh, I don't remember a moment where they broke the news to me. Um, it was just something that, you know, they, we talked about from time to time, and, you know, they painted a, a kid picture, you know, like, uh, birth mother was very young, couldn't take care of me, so she wanted me to have a better life and took me up for adoption. And kind of the typical, uh, you know, the typical narrative that uh, adoptive parents have. Right. And um, uh, it wasn't, uh, I don't remember any negativity surrounding it. Um, it I think uh, I know, the troubles I had with it were mostly involved, uh, I just didn't look like anyone. And I felt, I didn't really feel out of place, but at the same time, I didn't quite feel like I belonged. Mm -hmm. And uh, about a year and a half after they adopted me, they had a, a biological son, my brother. And we were, I don't know, very different. Uh, we were close, kind of in our own way, uh, but also distant. And I could, like from the get-go, um, I could pick up on, family resemblances with him and my parents and then of course the extended family aunts, uncles, cousins like wow my brother really looks like them and I don't <laughs> um, which and it was never really a problem for me it was just something I was always aware of um, mm -hmm. just like a right in my face everyday thing you know from a very early age you know I, I wanted to do a search um, mm -hmm. and find my biological family when I asked Andrew about his relationship with his brother, he characterized them as, quote, distantly close. They don't see one another much these days, but they used to pal around as young guys. 
But Andrew also suggested he was a bit of a black sheep that didn't fit his parents' mold. But his brother did and tended to do the right things, seemingly learning from Andrew's mistakes. Andrew said he was just a rebellious teen getting into trouble over stupid stuff. Andrew also said that he and his father butted heads over their conflicting, strong personalities. I think a lot of it actually is my, my own perception of it. Um, I, you know, it revolves around my parents' disappointment. Um, from where I'm at now in life, looking back, uh, they always tend to bring up my failures, um, like what I didn't do, or this or that. And it, I don't know. To this day, I have a frustrating relationship with them. Andrew and his brother were into athletics, and they both achieved Eagle Scouts. His brother went on to college and got commissioned into the United States Air Force. Andrew said he attempted college and hoped to focus on Army ROTC, but he didn't finish school and later enlisted in the United States Marine Corps when he was 27 years old. Andrew talked about how he didn't quite fit in with his family and how he and his brother had some differing achievements in their lives. So I wondered if he could recall his parents praising him very often. My parents, uh, they, I'm an artist, and uh, they do, they, I guess they, uh, they're kind of morally supportive of being an artist to some extent. They always bring that up. But it seems like a, it's kind of like a consolation prize. Like, well, you didn't finish college, but you're a great artist. You know, and it's always the throw in the college part. Interesting. Um, and, you know, I never really, you know, settled down with a career or anything. I've always kind of bounced around from uh, different job to job. I mean, I've tried some different um, They just never panned out. You know, after a couple of years, I either get burned out or, you know, whatever the case is. It's just not real, you know, stable. And I think a lot of that actually has to do with me just trying to figure out who I am, you know, my identity. I joked with Andrew that there was probably zero time or ability to search for his first family while he was in the Marines, and he agreed. But he said he would have started his search at 10 years old if his parents would have let him. He expressed his interest in searching way back then, but his parents always sprinkled a measure of caution over him, reminding him to be careful because you never know what you're going to find. But Andrew had his own feelings about his need to know. I don't care if they're serial killers on death row. I need to know where I'm from. It doesn't matter what, who, what they are. I'll figure, you know, I'll get to that when I find them. <laughs> and, you know, I tried articulating that as a young child and they were like, no, no, no. You know, when you're 18, we'll, we'll help you get started. And then, which they did. Andrew's adoptive parents gave him the name of the religious organization that served as his adoption agency in upstate New York. He got his certificate of birth registration, which is not an actual birth certificate. Andrew wrote to the organization about his search, and and they replied saying they could put him on a registry where if his birth family also wanted to meet, they could pair him up with his first family. He made time to get on the Soundex reunion registry, which ultimately yielded nothing. But his outreach to the adoption agency returned his non-identifying information something he didn't even know he should be asking for. Andrew learned some details of his supposed heritage, age of his birth parents at the time of his birth, hair and eye colors of his birth parents, and other physical traits. Those were huge details for a guy who didn't look like anyone in the family he grew up in. I asked him what it was like to see details about the people he came from. 
it was monumental. Um, I, you know, I, it's hard to really explain why. I guess it's just because I didn't, I never knew. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the the family I grew up with, uh, which you know, I consider them my family. Um, but you know, they knew they could trace their family back uh, three or four generations, five generations, maybe. You know, they knew that they were they originated from German. My grandfather, Opa, as they called him, uh, which was my adopted mother's father, was an off the boat immigrant from Hamburg, Germany. Oh wow! And, uh, obviously, you know they they knew their family background pretty well, and, and it was always just frustrating not knowing, like you know, where my heritage, you know, where my lineage comes from, and uh, it was always frustrating not knowing that. So, and finally, having at least a little piece of it uh, was huge. I mean, I must have read that letter a hundred times. That letter with new information was a vehicle to open discussions with a lot of people about his personal history. He said he was pretty bold about sharing the information in the letter with a lot of people because it had some good intel about his birth parents and it outlined the situation around his conception. It was a pretty unique situation uh, where you know, people would have remembered that um, because she was very young. She was barely a teenager, and my birth father was in his mid-20s. Wow. Um, and, I, you know, in the early 70s, that was not a good situation. Um, and, you know, how he didn't get in trouble, you know, didn't get arrested or skated out of a statutory rape charge, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think it was because uh, my birth mother's family didn't want to press charges. They were afraid of him. Uh, he was probably not the nicest guy, um, and a lot of that comes from his own upbringing. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty rough. A detail that stood out for Andrew in the information he had was that his paternal grandfather was a jewelry store owner in that area of New York State. Andrew accumulated a list of jewelry stores and jotted down their phone numbers. He said later, after finding some biological relatives, he realized that the second jewelry store on his list was the family store. But what was more important in his journey was a coincidence that happened out on the open road as a long-haul truck driver. In 1997, Andrew became pen pals with an elementary school class in upstate New York. He would write to them to share where he had been around the country and what kinds of things he had been hauling. By corresponding with the class, Andrew also got to know the teacher. And the teacher, uh, it turned out, she had grown up uh, in and around my home, you know, the town I was born in. Wow, okay. This is a long shot, but I was adopted, blah, blah, blah. Here's my non-identifying information. Do you have them? Does this situation sound familiar? And initially she wrote back and she didn't know, but she said uh, she would ask some of her friends when she went back home to visit. And uh, I had kind of stopped, I kind of went through a period of depression for a few months, and uh, I'd stopped writing to the kids, and I was just kind of bummed about life and X, Y, Z, for whatever reason, might have broke up with a girlfriend or something. Not sure, but um, I ended up sitting in my truck at a truck stop, middle of the night, in Florida. It was the first time I had been to Florida, ever. And um, just having one of those weird nights, you know, sleepless, couldn't, you know, just twiddling my thumbs, thinking about stuff, and then all of a sudden, the hair on the back of my neck stood up. And I'm like, because I'd gotten a letter from the teacher that I'd never opened. 
anyway, I realized like I never opened that letter. And then suddenly I just, every, every cell in my body just went on like overriding. I'm like, get the letter, open it up right now. And I'm digging through my paperwork in the truck and found the letter and I started shaking and it was so bizarre. Um, I opened it up and it turns out one of her friends, uh, knew exactly, you know, what the letter referred to and, you know, the people that uh, it was referring to, um, specifically my birth father's family. Wow. And, uh, turns out and she goes, you know, she, uh, my friend gave me a name. Um, they wanted to leave their name out of it because they didn't want to get involved, but they also felt that I had a right to know. And, uh, and she goes, well, I looked around, I checked the phone book. And I'm pretty sure this is your biological uncle, and this is his phone number. I looked it up when I was visiting. A few weeks later, Andrew was in Pennsylvania at a friend's house where he had decided to call the number the teacher had given him. When Andrew called, he asked for his uncle George. They talked a bit, and Andrew delicately asked some questions to try working his way up to the main reason for his call. He was also trying to keep his own emotions in check. And, you know, trying to contain my excitement. And uh, everything everything lined up. I think initially he thought that I might be thinking he was my birth father. But mm-hmm. he's like, no, no, I was in the Army. I was over in Germany at the time. I'm like, no, 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 I don't think it's you. <laughs> no, 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 no. I wasn't accused. Brother. I wasn't dating you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah. So, um, but, yeah, everything else matched. It turns out um, it was his brother, Tom, who was my birth father. Wow. And, uh and he goes, I'm going to go get a hold of him. And I got confirmation, and then I kind of sat on it for a little bit. Over the course of that month, Andrew spoke with his paternal uncle George, his aunt, whom Andrew said was very inclusive in terms of bringing him into the family, and his birth father. It was the week of Thanksgiving, 1997. Andrew had a couple of days off, and he was back in Pennsylvania. He parked his big truck, then made the trip up to New York, where his paternal family were gathering. It was weird. <laughs> um, I was actually surprised at how emotional I was not. Uh, I was almost kind of numb. And it was more, at the time, it was more about, you know, finding my birth mother. Because that's where I felt the most connection and the most loss. But um, it was still interesting. Um and it was still very important. Uh, so what was the setup? Where did you meet him? And how were, how were those first uh, moments? Initially, my, my aunt facilitated it. She uh, said, come to my place, and then we'll drive over to Tom's house. And um, so we went there first. And um, I took my girlfriend at the time. And, um, you know, she went with me, fortunately. And uh, I, I didn't realize how awesome that was at the time. And uh, we, she and I have since kind of reconciled because, you know, we broke up shortly after that, but uh, we're friends to this day. Uh, we went up there. My aunt uh, facilitated it. She drove us over to my birth father's house, and, uh, and I met him, and I was really shocked because I really don't see a whole lot of resemblance. I look a lot, I found, you know, later on I found out that I look a lot like two of his uh, other brothers um, that had since passed away really shocked and, mm-hmm. um, but yeah we met and uh, it, it was very bizarre because um, he uh, I don't think it was all that sentimental for him mm-hmm. 
if that makes sense. Um, it just, I don't think he grasped how important this was for me. And, um, and he's kind of, uh, I think he kind of stopped maturing on an emotional level in his teen years. He's just kind of stuck, you know, and it's not really, uh, not really, not really, you know, I'm not saying this is a criticism. It's just how he grew up, what he went through and who he is. It's, you know, he's just stuck. Um, and, but at the same time, I don't know, it was still really good to make that connection. And, um, I had hoped for more, um, at the time, but, uh, we drifted apart over the years, um, mm-hmm. fairly rapidly. You know, I, I ended up visiting him a few other times since then, but, uh, so the, the anyway, meeting was uh, more of a novelty, no, sort of a right. check the box, let's find this guy. And once you did, there wasn't really much there, huh? Not a whole lot, at least not at the time. Uh, but yeah, we, we spent the day, at least we saw an afternoon together, and went out and had dinner. And, uh, and but, you know, all this while, I'm trying to very gingerly approach the subject of my birth mother and I really didn't want to hear a whole lot about her from him. I just wanted to find her. And uh, so I kind of real, like, uh, so, you know, offhandedly mentioned, so what do you know about my mom? And, you know, are you in touch with her? Like, I mean, can you, can you tell me anything? And uh, he hadn't seen her in, certain, you know, I think six months after I was born might have been the last time, uh, you know, back in the mid-70s. Mm-hmm. It was the last time she had contact with her. But, um, I guess she had seen, uh, her, my maternal grandmother a few times, you know, they lived in the same town and, and my step grandfather, uh, grandmother's, uh, husband. And we ended up calling her, um, from a payphone outside this restaurant. And, and he got on the phone and he called her up and said, Hey, it's Tom. Uh, I'm here with our son, and I could tell this kind of, it, it rattled him, and um, it was like, you know, just a real short blah, 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 and uh, here, do you want to talk to him? And he gave me the phone, and I could just, I, I could feel the the tension in her voice. Um, she was just very, like, you know, trying to contain herself with every, you know, as much as she could. She's like, we really want to meet you. And we want to get in contact, but that man is not allowed in this house. And just, you know, like she didn't, she didn't drop a bunch of F-bombs or anything. It was like a very, very calm and controlled, like he's not welcome here, period. The end, like, don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, it was real short. I'm like, I get it. I understand. Um, and I'll be in touch. And, you know, like, here's my number. Uh, I got her number and, and that was it. Um, and I just feel how much chaos, you know, must have surrounded my birth, which really didn't surprise me because I think my intuition kind of told me that already. Um, and I may have, I may have felt it as an infant, you know, um, even, you know, in the womb, <laughs> I, I felt that and I still carry it. From, you know, felt, some you felt what from her, you said? Um, I felt all the tension and, you know, the resentment and anger and the chaos that surrounded my birth. Wow. That's fascinating yeah, I, that you can identify that. Yep. Yeah, I, um, you know, when I was growing up, I think a lot of that stuff didn't make sense. 
um, that much. Um, but looking back, it's like, yeah, okay, that's what I was feeling. And, and I really believe that, you know, things that happened, you know, we were in the womb and, you know, pre, pre-memory, uh, pre-consciousness, um, we still pick up on all that stuff. And, you know, there's been so many times, you know, I've heard other people talk about it and, uh, you know, just that gut feeling. I've learned to trust gut feelings. Like if something says, like, yeah, that's what it was, then that's probably what it is. If you trust your intuition. So Andrew was there looking at his birth father and was that much closer to meeting his maternal family because he had his grandmother's phone number. Andrew met two of his maternal uncles on that trip too, and they were astonished to see how much Andrew looked like two of their brothers, Andrew's other uncles, who were both deceased, unfortunately. That was kind of wild for Andrew because as he looked at his birth father, he didn't think they resembled one another at all. The next day, Andrew drove back to Pennsylvania. He took a nap in his truck, then got back on the road hauling a load to New York City. He was alone in his rig with miles of road ahead of him, leaving plenty of time to review the surreal experience he just had. Andrew was also feeling like he was only halfway down the road to finding his first family. He still had to make the maternal connections. Halfway to New York City, Andrew stopped in a rest area. During that break from driving, I ended up calling my grandmother and, I, you know, it was, I was going nuts just thinking about it. I'm like, I'm like, hello, this is Andrew. And I, I understand. I forgot exactly what I said, but it was basically something to the effect. And I babbled a lot too. I'm like, I really, I get it. I know why you're upset. I know how old um, my birth mother was. I know how old he was at the time. Mm-hmm. I can kind of put enough things together that it was a very, very difficult, chaotic situation when I was born. But the bottom line is that I really want to meet my biological mother and get to know her. Um, you know, I understand who and what he is, but it's also not who I am. And anyway, whatever that, you know, whatever I ended up stammering out in that message um, worked because um, I... There was no cell phones at the time, but I had a voicemail through my trucking company at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I gave her that information. And uh, I think by that evening, she had left a voicemail and you know, thanked me profusely for calling and leaving that message and explaining my side of things a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And um, she said, we do, you know, we definitely want to meet. And uh, here is here's her birth mother's uh, phone number. And she's down in Florida. Andrew made his way across the country. One trucking delivery took him out to Wisconsin. He picked up another haul and headed back east toward Toronto, Canada. On the way, he stopped at a rest area in Chicago. It was 2 a.m., and Andrew decided to check his voicemail. And there she was. So yeah, finally heard her voice for the first time. She definitely wanted to meet and get in touch and get to know, you know, get to know me. Um, so it was like, you know, it wasn't like, a, I don't want to have anything to do you, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. It was, you know, not like some of the horror stories we hear. Um, but, you know, it was positive And, uh, like, yeah, like, finally. And I just, you know, sat down and cried for a few minutes and got back to my truck and got back on the road and continued on. <laughs> wow. That's a funny thing, too. You know, I, I, I sometimes reflect on 
my own reunion, uh, the deaths of my parents, you know, various emotional things. And it's those moments when you're alone on the road or you're standing alone in the shower, you know, it's these moments when you've got like full access to your mind in the privacy of some moment. And I would imagine being a trucker on a long haul and you've just heard this voicemail. I mean, you must've just been in your head for the, for miles and miles. Yes. (laughs) Quite a bit. I called up my dispatcher and I explained to him like, this is in a voicemail again. I rambled on and on and I said, look, this is the craziest situation ever. I know, you know, we hardly ever talk. I get load assignments and, and that's it, you know, and then he runs me around the country. And I explained to him that I just located my biological mother as adopted, da, 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 and she's down in Florida. Can you get me a load to Florida with a couple extra days? Um, and uh, I, I had requested, you know, certain locations and times um, as far as that goes, and he's never come through. All of a sudden, I got a load assignment from Mississauga, Ontario, Almost, almost to where my birth mother lived in Florida with five extra days. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) That's incredible. (laughs) So I get the road. I'm like, you know, I'm just, wow. Um, (laughs) So I go back to the border. I crossed in the United States through Niagara Falls, which is right down the road from where I was born. And uh, and I, you know, gotten back in touch with my grandmother uh, and I explained to her, like, okay, so I have time. I have a load delivered down to Florida. I'm passing right through, and I have and I have a day. I have an extra day up here. I could stop, visit, and uh, so we did. It was that Friday night. Um, you know, I parked my truck in an old Ames parking lot. If you remember those old Ames stores. Mm-hmm. Um, parking Ames, they met me there, and uh, they took me back to their place, and so, and that's actually uh, Friday right after Thanksgiving. And um, went back to my grandmother's place. And this is actually the house where my birth mother lived. And I got to, I met my grandmother, my aunt, and she was actually pregnant with my cousin at the time. Oh, really? And I saw a photograph of my birth mother for the first time. And I ended up speaking to her on the phone as well uh, for the first time. Like, that was the first time we weren't playing phone tag, yeah. uh, voicemails. And, uh, I, and I told her, too, like, hey, I'm on my way to Florida, and I have some time off. Um, or, you know, I just wanted to kind of confirm, like, are, are we doing this, you know? Are you willing, you know, are you willing to meet, and do you want to? And, you know, she's like, yes, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, it was just, it, and that was the part where it was like, you know, you're right on the edge of that roller coaster. It's about to lose gravity going down the hill. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And, uh, yeah, it was surreal. That's a great analogy. I love that. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what it felt like. On the way down the East Coast, Andrew stopped back in his hometown, visiting briefly with his parents and his brother. He shared that he had found his first family, had met his birth father and his maternal grandmother, and was on his way to meet his birth mother. I think it were... I don't know. Um, I, I'm still not sure where they're at. I just know they're kind of uh, emotionally distant when it comes to this subject. Um, they have a very hard time talking about it. Um, 
and uh, and I think uh, I wasn't quite aware of it. As, at, I wasn't as aware of it at the time, um, you know, and uh, and I I kept trying to reassure them, like, look, this is not, I'm not doing this because I'm looking for replacement parents. It has nothing to do with that, and just always very kind of cautious about their their feelings and. Uh, and, and I don't even think they quite understood that part or either understood it or accepted it. I haven't really connected with them on that. Andrew got back on the road to make the long drive down to Florida. He pulls into town with his 53-foot tractor trailer and looks for the gas station in his birth mother's area with a dead-end street where she had seen big trucks parked before. As he backed his rig down the road, Andrew realized he had been to that very spot a year and a half before that moment. He parked the truck, then verified with the owners of the gas station that it was okay to leave it for a day or two. As he sat in the truck waiting, Andrew's birth mother pulled up in her black SUV. I got out of the truck and I closed the distance, walked up to her, and and uh, I was just, you know, it was like almost, I don't know, speechless, you know. And, uh, you know, we hugged each other and just kind of looked at each other and just like smiling. And, uh, yeah, it was such a, it, it wasn't quite as, like, monumental. I think it was because I saw a picture of her, at least, so I was kind mm-hmm. of prepared. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and she's very young still. <laughs> mm-hmm. She was in her, uh, like, mid to late 30s at the time. See, I was 23, so she would have been 30, I think 37. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. And, yeah, it was just crazy. So then I was like, all right, well, uh, you know, she lived like a mile up the road. And uh, we just basically hung out for the next uh, few days. And, um, yeah, kind of, I couldn't even tell you what we talked about. It was like a little this, a little that. Just sort of like, uh, um, yeah, man, it's all a blur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was, it was definitely positive. Um, I remember the first photograph we got. I still have it in my wallet. It's the first photograph of she and I together that evening, that 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 very day. Right. But then it was like the Monday, the Monday after Thanksgiving. So over the course of uh, may have been Tuesday, but it was over the course of eight or nine days where I met everyone. It's pretty intense. When I got back in my truck and I got back on the road, I think within ten minutes, it was waterworks. You know, onion cutting. Um, I just started crying and it felt like I cried for two weeks straight. Completely overwhelmed. Well, I don't know, not overwhelmed at that time. It was more like just a release of like, you know, I know where I'm from now. And, uh, yeah, it was, you know, I functioned. I, you know, I got from point A to point B with my deliveries, did my job. But anytime, like, you know, I had like five or 10 minutes or, you know, at the end of the day or whatever the case was, you know, if I wasn't driving, I just, Uncontrollable tears just came out. Mm, and, uh, mm, mm. Just could not stop crying. Felt like felt like two weeks. It might have been a week. I don't know, but it was significant. Like every day for a little while. Could you have predicted that it would have been such a release for you at all? I mean, it, this sounds like you opened a spigot of emotion that you didn't even know had such pressure behind it. No, uh, no, I never. I think maybe. Consciously, I didn't realize that it would have been that much of a 
release um, and, a, and a relief. Yeah, no, I was not, didn't foresee that. Um, I, I knew it was very important. I mean, it's something that I've wanted to do since I was, since I can remember, I think. So, um, just growing up, you know, I've always had those, you know, it's kind of one of those like daydreamers looking out the window. And a lot of the time I was always wondering, like, you know, where is my mom? Um, mm-hmm. You know, what's she doing? You know, birthdays, of course, they're, tri- you know, they bring that up a lot. And it was, it was literally, you know, it's, you can almost divide my life. You know, I'm going to be 46 in uh, a couple months. Or no, next month I'll be 46. <laughs> and, you know, when I was 23, I found her. So literally like half my life I didn't know anything. And then this last half I found, you know, I, I know where I'm from now. Yeah, I didn't really see it coming. Um, or at least, you know, how, how much of an impact it would have had. I knew it was important, but not. Not the level. Yeah. It just gave me a sense of identity and completeness, and I wasn't wondering. A few years ago, Andrew took time away from trucking to do a work exchange program in Florida. He rode his motorcycle from New York down to Florida and camped out in a state park. He visited with his birth mother several times. Then, for the last month of the work exchange, Andrew stayed with her in a house next door to hers. They spent some quality time together, and her sister came for a visit as well. Andrew hadn't seen his maternal aunt since their reunion more than 20 years before. That was the interesting thing. Um, The extended family uh, over the last 20-some-odd years um, started out with good intentions, but um, I honestly think uh, her mother... Her mother's anger and resentment towards my birth father really clouded things. And, um, and she kind of identified me with him too much. And there was a lot of talk initially, but as far as like, you know, like having a relationship, you know, being in touch and everything. And I'd written a number of times, but didn't really get much of a response from her. So I was kind of bummed about that. Um, and, and also, you know, my, my aunt, everyone on, my birth mother's side of the family was kind of distant. Um, I think it had a lot to do with my birth father, who he was, and the other things that he did, you know, back around the time of my birth. Yeah, it's a funny thing that, you know, a lot of adoptees are forced into the middle of. It's a situation of that wasn't of your own creation, but that often you are forced to bear the consequences of. And those consequences are sometimes that animosity that prevents a deeper connection because you are identified with whatever the quote unquote bad situation was many, many years ago. And, you know, right. they've gotten over it, the people who were present at the time. And now your presence resurrects the feelings that were there during that time in their life many years ago. And they just attach you to that negative feeling. It's really tough to get over for some people. Yeah. Yeah, frustrating thing. Because I know uh, this actually kind of leads into uh, kind of the, the the current chapter. Started a little over a year ago. Um, uh-huh. I still, I don't know, I never, I've never... Still has always felt like there's something missing. 
And um, and I actually have a younger half-sister and an older half-brother on my birth father's side. Uh, my birth mother didn't have any other kids. It was just me. Um, but on my birth father's side, I have two siblings. And I've been kind of searching for them on and off. And uh, I finally, a friend of mine, Search Angel, uh, located my half-sister um, right around November. Uh, it's been a little over a year ago. And sadly, I reached out, um, but didn't get a response from her. Um, but, you know, I still kind of can do some information gathering um, on Facebook and see a little little bit of her life and what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I think, you know, a lot of it has to do with, you know, uh, what my birth father was like, you know, back in the 70s, you know, early 80s. You know, there were substance abuse issues and other things. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, no, no contact back. I don't think, uh, I mean, for me, it's not necessarily about celebrating his connection between her and I. It's, uh, it's more about, you know, like we're genetically related. And I think just having that connection is still very important for me. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And after, after I didn't get a response from her, um, I started, I actually got back in touch with my aunt, um, I, on uh, my paternal side, the one I, the first biological relative I met. Um, I got back in touch with her, uh, and a couple of her cousins, and even my birth father, and I saw everyone this past uh, July when I was back east. Cause I went from Oregon back to New York and then Pennsylvania to visit uh, family and spend some time with my son and then actually bring him out west here. That's really cool. But yeah, I, yeah, the, and here's actually something that's really, I, I think part of me was carrying a lot of, uh, I don't know what it was. I don't, I don't want to say it was anger, but I was carrying like out of maybe loyalty for my biological mother. I think I was carrying some kind of, I was maintaining a, a big distance between myself and my birth father and his side of the family. And through some, Therapy, I've been through all kinds of different therapies, you know, trying to find peace and live life uh, a little bit more successfully maybe. But um, I found that, you know, all that anger and, and resentment and distance is not mine, you know. If it's if I separate all the other junk and I just look at the situation where that's my biological father and that's, my, that's his side of the family, you know, um, I don't necessarily approve of what he did or, you know, the circumstances around my birth, but that really, you know, I can't take responsibility for that because I had nothing to do with it. That's right. Um, all of that. And so, yeah, I reconnected with him and we had kind of a mini family reunion this past July and it was phenomenal. The first place was I went to my cousin's place and he said, welcome home. And, of all my adoption reunion experiences, nobody had ever said that. And it's just the way he said it and timing and everything, just I was floored and it was like, wow. Yeah, thank you. We ended up having a mini family reunion at Uncle's place. And he was even saying that, you know, the family doesn't get together like this at all. Like, this is because of you. Oh, wow. It was people that I had met briefly, you know, 20, 22 years ago. And, um, you know, drifted out of touch, but, you know, things are different now, and, you know, everyone's a little bit older, and 
wiser and better perspective on the world and just got together and had a great evening. That's amazing. Wow. It's crazy how time can heal and let you find a different pathway to connecting with people, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Hmm. That's really cool. I'm glad that you got that welcome home. That's not something that everybody gets, and it sounds like yours came with a second coming yeah, no. connection, right? <laughs> Good for you, Andrew. That's amazing. Well, thank you very much for taking time to share your story, Chief. This was fascinating to hear, and I, I, I didn't dive into it, but I got to tell you, I was blown away with the coincidence that you dropped on us with the the connection to the school teachers having been pen pals with her students and then her being the connection that unleashed all of your ability to find these people. I mean, that's just an amazing coincidence, man. Yeah. 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 I guess part of me always believed, uh, I mean, it's a small world. You never know. And, uh, I think me being very bold about, um, you know, not being afraid to share my story and what I was trying to do with people, with complete strangers, <laughs> as, it, as it happened uh, a lot of times. Like, hey, this is this is me. Um, can you help? <laughs> do you know anything? Yeah, that boldness can uh, can be a game changer, and I'm glad you found it within yourself yeah. to do so. So, congratulations on the reunions, and you know, I wish that certain parts of it had gone better, but this is kind of what we have to endure as adoptees in, in yeah. uniting, right? All right, dude. Take care. Thanks so much for the call, man. And I wish you all the best. Absolutely. Thank you, Dan. Take care, Andrew. Bye-bye. All right. Hey, it's me. Andrew's experience as a trucker was such an interesting undercurrent to his reunion journey. It was really cool to hear about him being pen pals with an elementary school class and boldly connecting with their teacher, then unsealing that letter in the wee hours of the morning, calling his birth mother from a rest stop, and getting his dispatcher to schedule an extended journey to Florida to meet her for the first time. It was interesting to hear that his maternal grandmother's deep scarring after what happened to her daughter in the past prevented Andrew's extended maternal family from making connections. I understand, but I wish she could have seen Andrew for who he is, not a shadow of his birth father. On the other side, it was great to hear that Andrew was able to be the reason for a family reunion that brought his paternal family together like never before. I can only imagine how amazing it must have felt to hear the words, Welcome home. I'm Damon Davis, and I hope you'll find something in Andrew's journey that inspires you, validates your feelings about wanting to search, or motivates you to have the strength along your journey to learn. Who am I, really? If you would like to share your adoption journey and your attempt to connect with your biological family, please visit whoamireallypodcast.com slash share. You can follow the show at facebook.com slash really or follow on Twitter at really. If the show is meaningful to you, you can support me with a contribution to keep it going on patreon.com slash really. Please subscribe to Who Am I Really on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. It would mean so much to me if you took a moment to leave a five-star rating there. Those ratings can help others to find the podcast too. And if you're interested, you can check out the story of my adoption journey, Who Am I Really, an adoptee memoir 
on Amazon.com, on Kindle, or as an audiobook on Audible. I hope you'll add my story to your reading list.